0: It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That's great, it starts with an earthquake, births, snakes, an aeroplane, yeah, many brutes, not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, the world, but don't need something, give your own hands. beat it up, and that's got, no excuse, The ladder for the clatter, with the fear of fight, downright, fire in a fire, resistance of the gang, and the government for hiring the combat site, but you wasn't coming in a hurry, but you're it down your neck border, the with that low plane, flying the corner, world, me. me the the right. The we it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine.
1: Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. But it's also the Hour of Bloom. Hey, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a tumultuous triumph in a terrible world. I'm Joe Alden, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you're going to find over 900, matter of fact, closing in on 1,000 post videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. Nurse Amy is my partner, my lovely wife. She is an advanced registered nurse practitioner, certified nurse midwife, Prepping for her interview today, so don't worry. You're going to be spending most of the show with the beauty instead of the beast today. We are the gang of two. We are the dynamic duo. We are the queen and the codger. And we're here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a salubrious salamander? Our attorney says, don't call me. Call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy and listen to this. Or nearly, Nursami says this. So, this is a first for me actually for quite a while. All information given and opinions voiced by Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy on the Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and don't represent medical advice for anything other than post apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider patient relationship is implied or exists between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Hey, if you're listening to this program, I'll bet that you are the highest medical resource in your family, whether you're a formally trained medical professional or just an average George Ill. So show the world you got more sense than a sack of crackers and learn what to do for injuries and illnesses in good times or bad. And while you're at it, you know what? Get some supplies and a medical kit to go along with that knowledge. And what better place to get it than lovely Nurse Amy's. Entire line of often imitated but never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net They'll help you handle medical issues in tough times And they're designed indeed by a real doctor, me, and advanced registered nurse practitioner, her Compare them for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff Or just talk to anyone who's ever bought a kit of ours And you'll agree, our kits are the ones you should have in your medical storage I'm not going to spend too much time on this today, but I just wanna say our website, doomandbloom.net, our YouTube channel DRBones nurse Amy, Twitter at Prepper Show, and we also have our other podcasts, a current events podcast called american survival radio on gcn genesis communications network live also on a number of radio stations throughout the country from texas to alaska as well as our good friends at the prepper broadcasting network and other ones we are here for you and we want to give you as much information as possible and in that note what i want to do is i want to talk a little bit about thyroid issues We're going to start off our discussion With a question that was sent to us From Sam Who is a listener of Jack Spierko, our good friend's Survival podcast Of which we are a member of the expert council And we're going to Go over some questions that Sam Has with regards to the thyroid And what you can do in survival settings In the case Of medicine Running out and things like that And so here we go. We're going to listen to me answering Sam's question about thyroid disease on the Survival Podcast. This week's question for the expert counsel comes from Sam, who writes, What do I do for thyroid problems to prepare for after the you-know-what hits the fan and make sure of the diagnosis before? Thyroid problems run in my family. My mother always has problems finding a doctor that gets the correct diagnosis. I have an acquaintance that spent a lot of money and time going through several doctors. Finally, an endocrinologist diagnosed Hashimoto's. My basal body temperature is about 96 degrees. Sam, the thyroid gland is a small butterfly-shaped organ that sits at the front of the neck, lying around and against the front of the windpipe. The gland is usually larger in women who are more likely to have thyroid problems than men. About 20 million Americans of all races, sexes, and ethnicities, however, have some form of thyroid disease, which can be related to, among other things, high or low hormonal levels, dietary deficiencies, tumors, and autoimmune disorders. Thyroid conditions usually involve the production of either too little or too much hormones. Worldwide, the most common cause is iodine deficiency, which is avoided in the United States by the widespread availability of iodized salt. It should be assumed that, in long-term survival, this could be an issue even here, so having some iodized salt could prevent problems like goiters. It should be noted that a decrease in function of the thyroid due to iodine deficiency remains a leading cause of preventable intellectual disability in kids. In places where iodine deficiency isn't a problem, The most common cause of low thyroid, also called hypothyroidism, is something called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. You mentioned that, an autoimmune disease where something causes the body to attack the gland's function. Hyperthyroidism, or excessively high amounts of thyroid hormone, occurs when the gland produces excessive amounts of thyroid hormone. The most common cause of this being Graves' disease, another autoimmune disorder. Sam, we don't know enough about what causes an autoimmune disorder to develop to have a real potent preventative for either Graves or Hashimoto's. You mentioned your acquaintance's problem, but didn't say the exact thyroid problem your mother has, so it's hard to give you specific advice. You mentioned you have a relatively low basal body temperature. Perhaps this could indicate that you might be at risk for hypothyroidism, but in and of itself is not enough to be able to make that statement. If a person requires thyroid replacement meds due to lack of natural production, it could be a problem if thyroid medications aren't available or run out, like in survival settings. In these circumstances, you might consider a number of desiccated bovine or porcine porcine, thyroid supplements available for stockpiling. Just Google desiccated thyroid supplement and you'll find them. Now, to tell whether these would work for a person with low thyroid levels would require your doctor to actually check thyroid levels in your body while on these supplements. It helps to have an understanding doctor who you can have an honest conversation with. This doctor might be willing to allow you to take a desiccated thyroid supplement for a short period of time and monitor your response to it. If your thyroid levels stay within normal range, it's worth storing. If your thyroid levels sink like a stone, well, it's not for you. From a dietary standpoint, you should avoid foods that depress thyroid function. These include cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, spinach, and cabbage. For people with elevated thyroid function, dietary restriction of nicotine, alcohol, caffeine, and other substances that alter metabolism is important to control these conditions. Vitamin C and B12 may have a beneficial effect, as well as L-carnitine. More on thyroid disease next week. You don't want to miss that. I want to talk a little bit about Glenn Martin, who is going to be our interview guest today with Nurse Amy. Born in California, Glenn Walter Martin was raised at the base of the Strawberry Mountains and later near the Cascade Mountain Range of Oregon, spending his youth as an avid hunter and fisherman, knowing well how to live off the land. It was un- not uncommon for Glenn to head up into the mountains, often alone, on a hunting or fishing trip with little more than his rifle or fishing pole. Always restless after college, where he earned his degrees in architecture and mechanical drafting, Glenn spent the next 30 years in western states like Alaska as a design consultant. Glenn now lives in the mountains of northern Idaho and has settled into an off-grid lifestyle, and he owns and operates PrepperBroadcasting.com, a 24-7 internet radio station broadcasting over 50 how-to shows, devoted to self-reliance. He's also the author of the brand new book, Prepper's Survival Navigation, and we're going to be talking about that with Glenn today. And here's Nurse Amy with Glenn Martin.
2: Hi, Glenn. I am so excited to have you here. We've talked in the past many, many times. I've... Glenn, how long have I known you? What do you think? Eight years? Oh, wow. Seven years?
0: Well, we, we were... Involved in podcasting together, I think, almost nine years ago now.
2: Eight, wow. Eight at
0: least, yeah. Well,
2: I don't know if I could even remember back that far, but I do remember broadcasting, and you and I were sharing uh, producer responsibilities. Remember that?
0: Yep, absolutely.
2: <laughs> in a different lifetime. Yeah, and then lifetime, I had that
0: right? wild idea. Boy, uh, well, and actually a couple of hosts came to me, too, and they said, boy, you ought to start your own station.
2: And, so wait know, do you thank do you thank them do you send them thank you notes or
0: well <laughs> there are moments uh, you know those a few bad moments when i go god why did i ever do this but the majority <laughs> of it is just it's just all overwhelming good vibrations good sensations Aww, i that's love sharing both. all these different hosts it's great
2: Oh, it is. Well, the Preppers Broadcasting Network has 24-7 shows, like I said in the intro. That is a lot of work. Let's talk about, let's go back a little bit. First, tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to talk about this awesome radio internet station that you've got. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you became part of the preparedness community, even some of your childhood, if you want.
0: Okay, well, let's see. I was actually born in uh, Salinas, California, and was there up until I was about 11 years old, and it was a fairly populated area. My dad had a business. I had two older brothers that uh, at that time were 16, 17 years old and were getting a little bit out of control, so my dad said, hey, this isn't working We've got to do something to change the atmosphere for these kids. He packed us all up, and he bought a dude ranch in eastern Oregon. And so we were thrust in the middle of nowhere, raised on this dude ranch with 40-some horses and guests that would come and visit us. and. And then we had the hunters that would come in the wintertime to have us guide them to hunting areas. So I grew up away from all that bad stuff in the big city that, you know, kids can get involved in. And so there I was, thrust into the northwest, the mountains, the fishing, the hunting, and and I loved it. I mean, I loved it, and I still love it. That's When I got out of high school and went to college, I... I did do the business thing, and you know, did fairly well for myself. But again, in the bigger metro areas, until it was ten years ago, I packed it all up. I happened to be in uh, Texas at the time. I packed it all up and came back to the Northwest. I I came back home, and here I am now, sitting on my little mountaintop and uh, just happy as can be.
2: That's fantastic. Um, I have a desire to move back to Georgia, again, with the the fall and the spring, the changes of the weather, less humidity, not too much less, but less humidity, and just being out in a rural area. I, we had a dirt road in front of our house when I lived in uh-huh. Georgia. I miss yeah. it. So yeah. lucky you got to do that.
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. You know, I actually, some people have trouble believing this, but... I was 13, 14 years old and the schoolhouse was uh, 11, 12 miles away and there were several times I rode a horse to school.
2: That's awesome. Everybody wishes they could have that experience. That sounds fantastic. Oh my gosh. Now what did you do with the horse during the day? They must have had an area for the horses to hang out. A little stable area?
0: Uh, Well this is a little town called Canyon City, Oregon and And all the grades up through uh, until high school uh, Uh was in a a one-room building, and everything around there was pasture land. All I had to do was tie it up, and at lunch I'd go move it or give them some water and move them to a little more grass. (laughs)
2: Uh
0: It was it was good. It was a good time.
2: That is so cool. I love that. Now. You know, it sounds like your background, your childhood was prepared. Obviously, if you live in the mountains, you better have some extra stuff. How did you become part of, quote, the preparedness community? I mean, I know you were living that way already, but how did you get into to this and really want to become a, an educator and a podcaster and and be part of this?
0: Uh, well, hmm. when I uh – when i wanted to leave texas i I was unsure of where i wanted to go or what i was going to do uh i know i wanted to go back to the northwest but didn't know where Mm -hmm. and uh tom my my oldest son you know tom the truck driver he uh i was talking to him about it and he said why don't you come on up here to idaho Uh, And, of course, Oregon was where I was raised, which is right next door. And I thought, you know, why not? He's in northern Idaho, right close to the Canadian border, plenty of mountains, lakes, rivers. And uh, him being a long-haul truck driver, he says, come on up, just move right into my house until you get settled, find a place to be. And uh, while you're doing that, you can help me work American Preppers Network. So that was my first uh, my first dive into it and you know I started uh, I came up here I had a lot of free time so I helped Mm -hmm. him work the the website a little bit and of course the chat room and it or his uh, forum I guess you would call it where people would come and talk back and forth basically not a live chat but uh, and it was really interesting I found all these people looking for this information. Mm-hmm. And I was so used to it growing up with it. Uh, you know, I guess I've always been a prepper, but never really realized the name. Right. So I started up prepper broadcasting, got the live shows going seven days a week, and and I kept going and kept going until here we are, 45-plus shows 24 hours a day, and it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, as okay. I mentioned before, there's no better feeling than that occasional email that says, thank you for putting up all these shows, you know, or the comments in the chat room. G-Man, my nickname, G-Man, thank you for all this <laughs> information, for sharing these people. I never worked so hard, so long, for so little, and enjoyed it so much. That's the bottom line.
2: That is fantastic. Again, we all wish that we could say that. I can kind of say that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> folks, we don't get paid for putting up articles or you- YouTube videos, unlike other superstar YouTube videos. No, and, and
0: you guys, you guys are all <laughs> over the place, and you know and I, that's those are the people I'm drawn to. Those are the podcasts that draw my attention. Is they're out there and they're not. They're not looking to make that dollar but they're looking to share that information to educate people to to you know, people want the there's so many out there that want that information. I didn't realize it until I got involved in it. now that I am it's all right, now I'm I've found my niche. I found something I can do that helps other people. It's not about me, me, me. Right. and uh i found so many great podcasters out there with that same attitude and that's that's the reward you know it's,
2: i love it well that's it's a good family to be part of and we're happy to be part of your network and we appreciate you inviting us to be part of it oh
0: it, oh gosh it wouldn't be it wouldn't be without you guys
2: <laughs> oh please oh.
0: <laughs> no you know even that's still you know the sweet, 45 please. plus shows so i got my sweet. favorites and I won't Aww. say how long the list is. it's not real long, but you guys are right at the top of it.
2: oh about
0: you some are really alive. good information and you guys have been an awful lot of support uh to me into <laughs> uh prepper broadcasting.
2: We try now listen, Glenn, let's talk about uh something you have done recently very interesting it's a book called Preppers Survival Navigation. And I want you to tell me you know we talked about. Why you started doing the network, which is taking up most of your time, but what motivated you to write a book?
0: Well, uh, half of my live show hosts have written a book. Uh, Most of them, they write themselves. I've 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 found out, you know, it's really easy to write a write a book and self publish. Um, One author in particular boy he whips out like a book every month he makes it look (laughs) like real easy and i thought you know i i i know some things that i would like to share uh you know maybe i can do it so uh the one publisher i see most common that does a lot of these uh prepper type books i contacted them and they were they said, "Heck, yeah, it, it sounds like a great idea, so uh there was uh there, that's where it took off it was It was uh, quite the experience too.
2: Well, how long did it take you to write this book?
0: It took me the time that they gave me
2: <laughs> 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 I, I would have
0: taken longer, <laughs> and uh <laughs> I would have liked you know they did they limited me on content. Which uh, which was a little tough. I, I didn't care for that so much. Uh, but even with uh, fifty thousand, forty-five or fifty thousand words, whatever it was, uh, they still they only gave me four months. Which I thought, hey, that's not going to be a problem. Uh, you know, most of this stuff I know. You know, is the back of my hand, but. What I found out was, in starting to write this, that all of these things I wanted to share, I was scared to put it on paper until I confirmed it. So it was like I didn't know any of it It, it was the attitude I took. I researched and made sure everything I put down was what I thought it was or what I knew it to be. And, uh, you know, I actually, I did surprise myself a couple of times that I didn't have it quite right. So, you know, I'm glad I did went through that process, but that process just made it take so much longer than the original thought, hey, this is going to be easy, Uh, you know. But instead, it was was a whole lot of research. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, and... And that's the point. Sometimes people write these books quickly. I I have seen seminars, how to write a book in a weekend, and I think to myself, how good is that book going to be? <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I wanted it to be right. I didn't, you know, I, Lord knows I didn't want anybody to take my book out and get lost. Uh, so, yeah, it just I had to make sure everything was. Uh, was just, you know, spot on. Now, I did have, uh, you know, I had a lot of material that I could go to, and I referenced that in the book. And primarily, the book is about land navigation, so I went to a lot of uh, military manuals. And of course, that's the big thing in the military is navigation. So that's where I confirmed, you know, everything that I knew to be. And where I learned a few things that I didn't know, but not only that, I got into, you know, more of the survival aspect of it, which there, I'm not, you know, uh, an expert in any particular field, so that was, you know, research to learn myself. And uh, I pulled that from several people, and including uh, the medical part, I know I talked to... Uh, to, you know, your other half, Joe, there, and he helped me out a little bit on it. So, uh, you know, I've got some great resources that I used to put that back book together with and it uh, was very helpful. There's a lot of people to thank in that book.
2: Well, I think a lot of people reading it are going to thank you. What do you think um, – why do you think navigation just isn't something that people think about anymore? I mean, I I know why. I don't know it very well, but but what do you think's going on in this country and with our educational system that people just don't have this anymore?
0: Well, we're in such a technological age right now. I think is uh, is foremost, people have their their cell phones, and which most will have GPS or a GPS device on them. Um, or, they're, you know, they're living in, an, in an, uh, you know, a populated area and, and don't really think about it or have any use for it. Uh, but, you know, as I just mentioned, if, if they go on a camping or a hiking or an outing where they feel that, hey, uh, you know, how am I going to find my way or what if, well, I have my cell phone, I have my GPS device, but... What if it breaks? What if it fails? What if your battery runs dead? What if you don't get a connection? Uh, you know, there are so many things. You know, expect the unexpected. There are so many things that could happen, and and now what do you rely on? If you don't know it, you're in a bad situation. So it's it's really the basics of uh, land navigation and learning how to read a map are, are not that difficult to learn. And uh, once learned, they, they stick with you. If you lose that GPS or your battery runs out or you don't know right. where you are, you're in a plane crash. <laughs>
2: <got> <laughs> pit, right. Uh,
0: <laughs> and you survive it. Now what do you do? Well, if you have the skills, you've got a chance. So... Uh, you know that that 's what I wanted to offer up in the book it's uh, it's old skills that pe- that shouldn't be forgotten uh, and you know who knows what's going to happen twenty years from now or thirty years from now when satellites get shot down or the grid fails? How are you going to get around then if you don't have that gps uh, or or that cell phone? Uh, exactly. Navigation skills can take you a long ways and get you to where you want to go.
2: How hard do you think it is to learn? Honestly, let's take take a person like me who, I mean, I know how to use a compass and I grew up with maps, so that's not a problem. But if I had to look up at the stars to figure out where I was, I absolutely know there's not a chance in heck that the stars would tell me where I am or where I'm going. So how hard is that to actually learn?
0: Well, uh, as far as uh, the constellation and the stars, they're not going to really tell you where you are, but they will lead you in the direction you need to go, whether it be north or south or
2: uh-huh.
0: or what have you. But uh, And there's really, surprisingly, of all the thousands and thousands of stars there are up there, Uh, It seems like a daunting task, but there's really only three or four constellations, uh, a half a dozen stars that you need to be familiar with. And, uh, you know, I've got some, I think there's a few pictures of that in the book also that explains it, but you can go on the Internet and and Google, uh, you know, Google uh, navigation by the moon or stars or what have you. And it's really... Like I, like I said, there's not a lot to learn that can show you your way. Uh, the Little Dipper, the Big Dipper, the the uh, um, you know the, the North Star and the Southern Cross. Those are those are your main ones. And once you know how to identify those or find those,
2: mm-hmm. and it's not
0: very hard, uh, that's it. You got it
2: awesome well that doesn't sound so hard
0: (laughs) no it's not it's uh you know it's a misconception or or it's a you know for somebody that's not really looked into it they look up at the night sky and they go oh my god well it ain't that it's it's, you know you can wipe out 99 percent of what you see there's just a few small things out there that you have to learn how to find them and it's not hard and uh once you learn that, you got it. So yeah. That's
2: great. Well, I do know that where the Big Dipper and the Small Dipper and the Northern Star is. So I've got those three down packed. Um, I think a lot of problems for city folk is that our, the lights are just too bright. I know when we go out into the mountains or in rural areas, the sky is so different. And if people are listening and they're only used to the sky in the city, Really, uh-huh. really uh-huh. try to make a plan to spend one night, even if you're in a hotel, and go outside where there's not the city lights, you will be shocked. You can't imagine what is up there. It is, it's is—it's a different world. It's, right. it's like well, you, you know, we, and here's
0: the thing, wow. too. Some, a lot of people don't think about, because they're living in the city or or in Los Angeles where the sky is filled with smog or whatever you, you can't
2: right. you can't even see the sky is there a sun i think there's a sun
0: <laughs> but generally where, where you're you know you're not going to need those navigation skills when you're in that situation in that city or whatever sure. you. you get out your road map and you hop in the car and you go but what about when you take that vacation up into the nearby mountains or what have you yep. okay now you're away from that city you're away from all them lights you're generally going to have a clear sky. You're going to see them stars. And you may not have to drive far away from the city to be in that campground or what have you. And when you make that trip and you see them stars, mm-hmm. that's when you uh, think about it. That's when you take notice and look and, and and take the time, which way is north. You know, We've got a wonder out there and a wonder up in the sky. Uh, it just takes a little bit of paying attention to it and uh, and learning how to use it
2: absolutely. So what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when they're looking at things like a map and a compass?
0: Uh, as far as navigation uh, or navigation skills, probably uh, distance, uh, identifying. The scale or distance mm-hmm. on a map. Uh, declination is, especially if you're using a compass, declination is going to be the most important thing that you need to pay attention to that you'll you'll find on a map. Um, hmm. Understanding the the symbols that are on the map, and I right. think another really important. Uh, aspect is the features that are drawn on a map that tell you how to judge elevations and and contours and, and where a stream would possibly be in this type mm-hmm. of thing.
2: Right. Well, one thing I would recommend for people trying to read these maps is to get a good pair of glasses if you're over the age of 45 because <laughs> the writing, forget it, if you don't have your reading glasses. There's no way you'll be uh, like, I absolutely. think there's when a I'm line trying
0: to work on the computer. If I, <laughs> if I've misplaced my glasses, I, I have to type with my nose. I can't see the keys.
2: <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So wherever you live, let's say you want to build a better sense of direction. What are some of the things that you can do? So you actually get a sense no matter where you are, what you're doing, Okay, that's north, that's south, I know that's east, I know that's west. What can people do?
0: Okay, well, right off, and the most common, and most everybody knows this, is the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Now, of course, depending on what time of the year it is, it may rise a little bit more north Mm -hmm. or set a little bit more north um, as you move on into summer, or it may, you know, arise a little bit more south and set a little bit more south, but it will always rise in the east, set in the west, which will tell you which way approximately north is. Um, another handy tool is uh, a shadow, uh, any shadow. Uh, if you the the taller and skinnier your object casting the shadow is, the more precise you can be. But like a stick in the dirt. Uh, casting a shadow will give you an idea. And, uh, for example, uh, if you have a stick in front of you stuck in the ground, mm-hmm. in the northern hemisphere anyway, and uh, the sun is 12 o'clock straight up, that shadow will point due north. So uh, thinking of that as due north as that sun continues to travel westward that shadow will continue to move to the right and show you a more easterly direction until that sun sets and then you will be seeing east but not true east or exact east depending on uh the time of the year it is
2: the season that makes sense it's very logical if if You're putting a picture in your mind, Glenn, when you were just describing all of that. Uh It made perfect sense. So, folks, rewind and listen to that again and just close your eyes and imagine exactly what he's telling you. And that was a great description. Thank you.
0: Well, you know, and something that goes in hand with that, too, is uh, Mm -hmm. judging time. You use the same method, uh, which would be referred to as a shadow clock. And when that sun is directly overhead, that shadow is pointing towards 12 o'clock noon or north again.
2: Right.
0: And as it moves, as that sun continues on over towards the west, that clock, that shadow will be moving to the right to 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. So it gives you an idea of how to judge time as well as, uh, as direction.
2: Absolutely, except at night. (laughs) Except at night, works great during the day, folks. I'm sure they got that. I was just teasing. Um, So, what do you, um, what do you think people should bring when they go on hikes, just in case they might get lost? What are three things? Because you know we're all concerned about having our backpacks too heavy with too much stuff. So, what are three good things that you would tell people? Um, Never go on a hike without.
0: Okay. Well, um, number one would be map and compass, and I always put map in front of compass. Okay. Um, You know, if you don't have a compass, you can still get an idea of, you know, as we discussed, where north and south and east and west is, but... Mm You've got to have a map and a good topographical map of the area that you're in. Also, a current map. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, which goes in, in hand with uh, declination, a lot of people don't know that uh, if you're using a compass, you have to adjust for declination, and a current map will show you the correct declination. It changes over time. And a, an out-of-date map can get you just as lost as uh, not having a compass at all. So a good map, a, a good compass. Um, you know, this may sound funny, but I like a walking stick. I always carry a walking stick with me. Uh, it's great for balance, uh, especially in, uh, you know, a little rough or rocky you know, trails or foot terrain, it's good for moving brush out of the way and poking into holes before you put your hand in it, that type of thing. <laughs> so
2: Exactly. I agree 100%. You, you've got your,
0: uh, so besides a map and a compass uh, and maybe a walking stick, of course your uh, good clothing, very important. You know, you don't want to be out there in high heels. You want to be in your hiking boots. <laughs> Uh,
2: Are you sure, Glenn? I don't know. i got these really cute eight-inch spike heels. Just kidding. (laughs) I I wouldn't be caught dead in those. Well, if I wore them, I would probably die because I'd probably fall off of them and bop my head. So, (laughs) yes, Uh, never uh, high heels when you're hiking. Good boots.
0: Yeah, you know, and I almost said, of course, you got your essentials depending on how long a trip you plan on going on. Of course. You know, your water and food and what have you. But, uh, you know, I really think clothing has got to be right up there in the top three or four. Anyway, uh, you've got to be prepared, dressed for the elements or for what elements may be coming. Uh, If if you get caught out in a rainstorm and you don't have the gear for it, you're going to have a miserable time. Uh, if you're overdressed and all of a sudden the sun comes out and it's 100 degrees,
1: you're mm-hmm. going to have a
0: miserable time. So, uh, good clothing that's going to protect you from the elements or uh, you know the conditions around you.
2: You're absolutely right. And sometimes there's extremes. You know these desert environments sometimes get rather cold at night. So, not not just planning for the time that you think you're going to be out. And I and I know that's what you mean when you say be prepared for everything, but Think about the nighttime environment too, and like you said, maybe the possibility of some you know storm or snow coming through. obviously, we want you to read the weather channel before you go, but you still never know people have you know this freakish weather that that pops up
0: absolutely we have a we have a barbecue lined up here coming up this uh this weekend, and we've been uh-huh. watching the you know the uh the uh, on the computer, the weather station here, sure which predicts seven days. And uh, here three days ago it was saying that we're going to have uh, partly sunny, p- partly cloudy. The next day it was uh, going to be solid overcast, you know, and we're biting our nails. And oh. the next day it's uh, rain. Uh, oh. Right now it says we're partly sunny and partly cloudy again. So, you know, the weatherman's right half the time. <laughs> You've got to be right the other half of the time by being prepared for what's going to actually happen.
2: Let's talk about what do you do if you get lost. Let's say you're on an unfamiliar trail. Uh, maybe the trail wasn't kept up and you're sort of twisted around. Maybe the terrain changed and you're just you just don't know what's going on. What is the first thing you should do when your brain says, I think I'm lost?
0: I would... Jump up and down, screaming and yelling while waving my arms.
2: <laughs> and what if the bear, what if the bear 500 feet away from you says, what an idiot, he got lost, I'm leaving.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure he'd say that if he'd me jumping up and down waving my arms.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh,
0: avoid panic. Uh, I guess it's the number one thing. Uh... Generally, when somebody gets lost or realizes they're lost, they're not in a critical situation yet anyway. Mm-hmm. But it can get real critical if they, if they panic, you know, if they, you know, let it, let it overcome them. The first thing I, I think to do would be just to uh, kick back, take a rest, and think about your situation. Mm-hmm. Don't stay still. Don't go nowhere. Take a moment when you realize you're lost or think you're you're lost, stop, sit down, and assess your situation and think about it. Take some time fifteen fifteen minutes of sitting and thinking about where you were, where you've came will probably tell you where you are. You, you'll probably find that you're not lost, but mm-hmm. if, uh, if if the situation uh, if in doing that, you find that, yes, indeed, I, I think I am lost. The first step would be, is there a spot behind me? Can I backtrack to where I was, to where I knew I, to where I know I am? Uh, if that can be done easily enough or you know, with confidence, then that is what I would do first, is, is go back the way I came. Uh, don't try to continue on thinking that you'll find uh, where you're going. You may just become further lost and probably will. Hopefully, you've let people know. And, uh, and gosh, if you're ever going out on a venture, uh, a weekend hiking or a camping trip, you always want to let somebody know where you're going, uh, how long you'll be gone, when you'll be back. So, in case the unforeseeable does happen, they know where to look. Uh, and again, another reason to, if you find yourself lost, to stay still, to to not go anywhere, to allow an opportunity for those people that have an idea of where you're at, where to find you.
2: Exactly. Uh,
0: if you if you keep on, uh, you're just going to become further lost and probably going to be harder for those people looking for you to find
2: what about if you're in a group let's say you have a group of four people all adults not children uh-huh. And let's say two people want to go one way and the other two say no we need to stay here how do you deal with that what can you do to convince them that staying in place is, is better and uh, no one's hurt no one's trying to go seek help because no one's physically hurt everyone's healthy they're okay they've, they've got some food they've got some water no one's gonna die you know, for the foreseeable near future, what do you do if two people say, oh, we're going to go back, we're going to try and find our way? What what should you say to them?
0: If they were determined and there was no persuading them to stay, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: which is uh, probably what I would do first, uh, the second option, I think, and which may be a plan anyway, Mm -hmm. would be for, if it's a group of four, for two to stay. Uh Uh-huh for two to go, but to make a plan of it, for them to only go so far. And if they're not seeing or getting an idea, you know, of of what to do or where to go, to immediately Mm -hmm. return, to not venture so far that uh, they're going to lose contact or become lost again from the group that they're in.
2: Right. So now you have two lost parties. The couple that's venturing away, those two people, what should they do to mark their trail, or is there something that you recommend that they do to mark their trail as they're leaving the two behind?
0: It should be laid out, the direction that they're going. Uh, ideally, and something that I think is a handy thing to always take on, uh, on a camping trip or an extended hike like that is uh, is a ribbon, colored ribbon. Uh, you oh. see it a lot.
2: Good idea. Uh, no,
0: it's the, the really thin, light plastic tape uh, that they mark trees with to be cut down or what have you. Uh, to, take, to have a roll of that with you, because a roll of that, boy, you can mark forever and not run out. So, you know, maybe every 100 feet or what have you. Colored ribbon to mark your path uh, along the trail that you're going. And here again, too, back, if, if you stay in a group and you decide to move on, that staying is not feasible, uh, but you are lost and think you can find your way, uh, use that colored ribbon. Mark where you were. Maybe leave a, uh, uh, some kind of a sign that says this is where you are, you know, mm-hmm. this is where you're going, uh, and mark your trail uh, with that ribbon. That's number one, uh, but there's usually, no matter where you are, there's something that is at hand that you can use that can be identified as somebody leaving a mark, whether it be, you know, branches laid out on, on the ground or a trail uh, in the shape of an arrow pointing the way you're going or rocks laid out, uh, you know, something that can be found by other people and can be followed by other people once they follow them. Uh, Excellent. You know, a lot of it is back to staying calm and using your head and using the resources around you. If you think it through and not panic, you're going to find a way to let people know where you were or where you are or where you're going. Um, it's it's all about taking being patient, taking that little bit of time.
2: Excellent. Well, we've talked about your um, 24/7 Prepper Broadcasting Network. We have discussed not only some things in your book, but some useful tips from Glenn Martin's brain. I picked it. <laughs> yeah. What is there a, a future book or a future project um, for for anything that you're doing or the the radio shows? What, what's in your future, Glenn?
0: Boy, I have started another book but finding time is very hard this one is going to be fiction Uh, I've got a great story in my mind but in the last two months I've only managed to get about 1500 words on paper so it's going very slow I've got so many other things going on and of course the radio station is uh, number one top priority but with that where I want to go now is broadband with the radio station. That is a pretty heavy investment, though, and is going to be down the road. But I want people to be able to pick up the broadcast, the radio stations, when Internet is down.
2: When, gotcha. Uh, you
0: know, when, uh, when the grid is down. I want them to be able to turn on their ham radio and tune in. So... uh uh, that's something I'm I'm really shooting for, but yeah, the, the costs are pretty extreme to get that going. So it it may be a a year or two before we see something start happening there.
2: Sure, but that's very exciting, very cool, especially to be able to circumvent actual radio stations and to be able to just put it out so anybody can pick it up. That is so neat. Um, yeah, why don't you uh, tell our list? Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, uh, no, go ahead, Amy.
2: No, I was just going to ask you if you could tell folks where they can find your book, Prepper's Survival Navigation, where they can find Prepper Broadcasting Network, and maybe how they could just communicate with you, if they have some ideas or suggestions. Or maybe Uh, somebody out there is a future podcaster.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I'd love to hear from them. Uh, You know, it's funny, uh, I have like four hours between uh, 11 o'clock, my time which i think is one o'clock in the morning for you until until four o'clock in the morning that i just play old time radio Um, so there is four hours of the day every day i don't have uh prepper survival type information (laughs) i i play uh uh what what is it uh oh gosh tales of the texas ranger and (laughs) things like that
2: Ah! (laughs) Uh, that's awesome (laughs) <laughs> so i
0: got some room for some for some good quality shows out there. Uh people can reach me uh by going to prepperbroadcasting.com. Uh prepperbroadcasting.com. You can listen to all the shows, the the live shows every night, the 24/7 feed. Uh we've got you uh and Joe on there Fridays and Saturdays during the morning and in the evening uh, cuz you guys got both uh both your shows going on. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> but, yeah, reach me at purplebroadcasting.com. There's a, uh, you can go to the, uh, I think it's the About Us page, one of the pages. You can find
2: Okay. Email And find Contact Us. The chat us. room. I'm the almost always us. in the
0: chat room. Uh, the book. Oh. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of navigation books out there. Mine goes a little further than that. So, you know, if you're interested in Up-to-date navigation. And I'll tell you, I think this is a great thing to teach kids as well. But go to Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. uh, Mm -hmm. You can go to Prepper Broadcasting. There's a tab up there for the bookstore. We have uh, a bookstore on Prepper Broadcasting where I list uh, your books. uh, Gosh, all these Prepper survival-related books. Fiction and nonfiction. Uh, so there's a great assortment of books there from a lot of great authors, and of course, my books on there as well.
2: So. Excellent. Well, thank you for that information. I really appreciate it. And by the way, folks, if you're looking for Prepper Survival Navigation, the entire title includes a subtitle that says Find Your Way with Map and Compass, as well as Stars, Mountains, Rivers, and Other wilderness signs it has a picture of a compass on the front and sort of a, a map a top topographical map um behind that and it says classic skills when your excuse me for when your gps fails and glenn's name on the cover is actually walter glenn martin i did not know that uh-huh. <laughs> i wanted to make sure people i've been I, i've known you as glenn forever and i saw your book i was like wait Who's Walter?
0: Yeah, that's a childhood thing. Walter uh, got me into fights, but Glenn worked real well.
2: (laughs) Hey, (laughs) we all get nicknames somehow. That's so funny. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for being on. I really, really appreciate everything that you do, everything that you're going to do in your future plans. And this book can, I believe, fill in the spaces for a lot of preppers out there who are thinking about beans and bullets and Band-Aids. And maybe a few other topics, communication, but they just haven't even thought of navigation skills. So I think you're fulfilling um, or filling some of the, the checklist that we all should have. Thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you so much, Amy, too. And I, I hope you tell, say hi to Joe for me. And
2: I certainly will, absolutely. Well, you have a beautiful day, and uh, you take care of yourself. Thank you.
1: All right, you too. Thank you so much. And there you have it, Nurse Amy's interview with our good friend Glenn Martin of Prepper Broadcasting Network and the author of the new books, Prepper's Survival Navigation. Make sure you check it out on Amazon. We are thrilled to have you as our audience. We're so grateful and so blessed to have the support and kind words from so many of you out there. We hope that you will continue to follow our program, the Survival Medicine Hour on the Prepper Broadcasting Network and many other networks. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff contact us send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website see you next week